Uh, we're in a series of messages uh, from uh, Hebrews, excuse me, from, yeah, Hebrews chapter 11. And that's the Hall of Fame of Faith. I don't like it that we call the, the Hall of Fame of Faith because that's put accent on the people. Uh, and there are people mentioned in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Enoch, by faith Abel, by faith Moses, by faith Joseph, by faith Abraham, so forth and so on. But the, the accent is not on the people, it's on the faith of the people and what faith does in our lives. And we've said each week that faith works. There is not conflict between faith and works. Faith works out in your life because all through Hebrews chapter 11 it says by faith and it has a name of a person and then it has a verb that their faith did something in their life faith is an action so it says by faith Enoch offered offered a better sacrifice it, it says today with Noah with with Noah by faith Noah built an ark and all the way through you've got all these people that are called the hall of fame of faith and it says, by faith, a name, and then there's a verb, what their faith prompted them to do. Faith is not something you have as much as something that spawns action in your life. And if your faith is static, if your faith doesn't really work out in your life, then on the testimony of Scripture, you do not have a biblical faith because you cannot find anywhere that a biblical faith in Scripture doesn't show up and work out in people's lives life so faith works and that's one of the things we we learn from hebrews chapter 11 as we go down through each verse of this uh and find out about these people i think this is our fourth week now we're at the seventh verse today and hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 says by faith noah when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear and there's your verb built by faith Noah, it's an amazing story. It's more than just a, a little figurine on, on, in your children's nursery or something like that. Uh, Noah had never heard of rain. There was no such thing as rain at that time. The Bible clearly says that the ground was watered by underground springs. There's never been such a thing as rain, and God says, I'm going to flood the earth. And he goes, like, like how? Well, I'm just going to bring water. How are you going to do that? He's never seen that. Things not yet seen. He acted on things not yet seen. How much faith did that take? He acted on things not yet seen. In holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. <laughs> no, I need you to build an ark. It's going to rain for 40 days, 40 nights. You need to get your family in it. Well, what's rain? How much faith did that take? It, it took faith in God's word that God said this. And even though I don't know what rain is, I'm going to believe this because it came from the trustworthy one. It came from God himself. By faith, Noah, in holy fear, in holy fear, built an ark i want to tell you this morning that 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 faith leads to a fear of god it really does faith leads to a fear of god which makes him which makes us take his word seriously 
all through the Bible. We used to hear the expression all the time, God-fearing man, a God-fearing woman. We don't hear that anymore because we're too cool for that now. And, uh, but all through the Bible, you hear fear of God, fear of the Lord. And anyone who has faith, if they have a biblical faith, they have a fear of God. Now, it's not a fear like I'm cowering down and all that kind of fear. It's, it's, it's an awe. It's a reverence. It's a respect. It's knowing God is God, and God can do whatever he chooses to do, and God will do whatever he chooses to do, and I'm not to trifle with him, and I'm to take him very seriously. Faith leads to a fear of God, which makes us take his word very, very seriously. Um, Maybe I'm the only dad in here, and you women are going to start throwing stuff at me now, but maybe I'm the only dad in here that, in a, that wants his boys to appropriately, appropriately, I'll say it a third time, appropriately fear him. You know why they need to fear their dad? Because their dad means what he says. And if, if you're supposed to come in at 11, you don't come in at 11.15. I feared my dad. My dad was the most kind, gentle man in the world. Part of my fear for dad is I didn't want to let him down. I didn't want to disappoint him. Can I say something to you? I'm not proud of this, but it's the truth, and you all know exactly what I mean. Because I didn't want to disappoint my dad, I didn't tell him the truth all the time. I had an appropriate fear of my father of not letting him down but also knowing that when dad says something he meant it and somewhere along that line if we feel that way toward earthly parents how much that should be projected to our heavenly parent as well Faith leads to fear. Now, it's not a fear that you cower down and you just can't look up and your heart's beating. No, it's a respect. And however you define the fear of God, it's more than that. It's more than awe. It's more than reverence. It's more than respect. God is God. He's not to be trifled with. He will do what he says. Faith leads to fear of God, which makes us take his word seriously. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29 Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. In the Old Testament, many times when God showed up, people couldn't, they they showed up with fire and he showed up with thunder and he showed up with lightning to represent the holiness of God. God's not to be messed with. He's the most loving father in this world. He's the most loving being in this whole world, but he's not to be messed with. And when he says no, he means no. Do you know the most loving thing that you as a parent can tell your child is no? It's the most loving thing that you can tell your child is no. And children don't understand that. But see, we've been there, and we've made all those mistakes before, and we love them enough not to want them to make the same mistakes that we did, and so we tell them no. Now, they don't get that, and they're stubborn, and they go out and have to learn on their own sometimes, just like I did. But the most loving word that we tell our children is no. And God tells us no about a whole lot of things. 
Is God being an old, old, just an ogre when he says, thou shalt not commit adultery? No, he knows what is down that road of adultery. And the most loving thing that he could possibly say to us is, don't go there, child. That's what loving parents do. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of knowledge. It's, it's, it's the beginning of knowledge. I rode to um, Ohio State football game yesterday with three teenagers. And man, you should have heard the talk in the car. They thought they knew it all, just like I did when I was their age. It's the fear of the, of the Lord that's the beginning of knowledge. Other places said it's the beginning of wisdom. You don't have wisdom. You don't have knowledge unless you know who he is in all of his realness and in all of his awesomeness. So how would we define this fear of God? I, I've never been able to define it real well, but I'm going to try. Fear of God is, is a reverence that produces submission to him and his ways it's a reverence it's a respect this fear leads to wisdom this fear leads to wisdom i can remember i've told you this story before but i can remember i was in my first or second year in ministry and i went to visit this lady that went to our church and her husband never came in fact people in the community told me her husband was just a pagan he was just ornery and denied god and so forth and so on and I visited him on the porch and talked to him, and I got done with the conversation and said, well, I'd like to pray with both of you all. And so we bowed our heads, and I noticed as we bowed our head, this gentleman who had nothing to do with God still had some kind of respect for him because he took his farmer's hat off. We've lost that in our society, and we should not have. Fear of God is irreverent. I know, I know Jesus is my friend, I know he's a friend of sinners. What a friend we have in Jesus. But God is more than just my buddy. And don't ever forget that. He's God. And he can take you out like that if he chooses to do. And so we heed his warnings. We heed his warnings. And so Noah built an ark. And Noah didn't know what rain was. Because he knew he better take God at his word because God means business. You see, faith-filled people rejoice at the promises of God, all those goosebumpy promises that are just as much as part of God's words than any other part is. Those, those promises that we love so much. We rejoice at those promises, but we respect his warnings. When we hear those promises, there's something in, a, in us that leaps with joy, but there's also something in us that trembles at those warnings because he means what he says. He's, he's not an impotent God. He's not a God to be trifled with. In holy fear, Noah built an ark. Do you know that, that fear of God is a gift that he gives us? Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40, God's speaking. I will make an everlasting covenant with them, talking about the people of Israel. I will never stop doing good to them. I will inspire them to fear me. See, God thinks fear 
is a good thing. He's going to do good to them. I'll never stop doing good to them, and I will inspire them to respect me and know that I mean business and take my word seriously. That I will inspire them to, feel, to fear me so that I will never so they will never turn away from me. <laughs> the fear of God is a gift from him. Also, fear of God prompts us to know that we need forgiveness of our sins. Psalm 130, Psalm 130 says this, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? Do you understand that? Who could stand in your presence? Lord, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? And the next verse says, but there is forgiveness. But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. With reverence, with respect, with all. If, if you fear God and know that God is God, you know that you need some type of covering. You, you know that you can't stand before him in, in your own righteousness, that you need something else because you, you, you won't make it. In, in Scripture, there's many times that when God shows up his holiness, people just can't stand in his holiness in the Old Testament. They fall back. And for us to even be in heaven, we have to be clothed in the righteousness of, of Christ because God is there and it's a holy place. And so knowing that we need forgiveness of our sins prompts fear, appropriate fear, appropriate fear. Paul talks about, in Romans 3.18, talks about the wicked. They have no fear of God before their eyes. I was in Panera Bread in Columbus yesterday. And one booth away from me were two men that were in their 50s. And they were talking about the most ungodliest stuff. They were talking about hitting on, they were, these were men in their 50s. They were talking about hitting on women. They both, I heard their conversation, they both were married. They were talking about how hot these women were, and it was just an ungodly conversation. I would expect some, 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 some teenagers to talk that way, okay? They don't know nothing, okay? But these men are 50, 55. And they were talking about how hot these women were. And they were talking in a, in a tone of voice. They didn't care who heard them. And I thought of this verse. The ungodly have no fear of God before their eyes. There's just no respect there. There's... So I've, I thought yesterday how weird Christians are. Christians are odd. Did you know that? Really odd. The Bible says we're peculiar. Titus 2, 14. And... I thought how odd they were because we went to the high state game and three out of four people there um, are there to to drink. I mean, not not just like twenty year olds, college students, who you know you know they're making lousy choices. But I mean, fifty and sixty year old guys they're they're drinking at nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, I've before I was a Christian, I've had my share of PBR, but never at nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, what is that about? So. Here, here's 15, 60-year-olds, 75% of these people there were there to party and get drunk and all this kind of stuff. And, and in the evening, you know what Christians do? We had 30 people at our house last night with banana pudding. Aren't we weird? Aren't we weird? We had banana pudding and coffee 
and brownies and water. Aren't we weird? We don't know how to have fun, do we? We're odd. We're not normal. But maybe there's a fear of God in our eyes. Also, the fear of God will keep you from sinning. <laughs> there should hopefully be a lot of reasons that keep you from sinning, but the fear of God keeps you from sinning. Exodus 20, 20. This is a great verse because it shows the two different types of fear and how not to get them confused. Because Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. And then he says to the people, fear. Now, this is when the Ten Commandments were given and God came in thunder and lightning and consuming fire and the whole mountain shook. And Moses said, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. You know, a reason why that you don't get off the straight and narrow is because God disciplines those he loves. Just like you discipline your children if you love them. God, you want me to ruin my life? You want me to ruin my life? I need to divorce Sue and, and, and take up with some hot 25-year-old chick and just go to Florida. Now, my life would be ruined because God's hand would be on me. His hand of consequences in my life. Now, I wouldn't tell you that. I would act in like things were really cool. But his hand of discipline would be on me, and the rest of my life he would not relent because he disciplines those he loves. How many men I've talked to that have gotten out of the ministry when they had a call to the ministry and they were miserable because God would not let them be happy outside of the call that he had for their life because he loves you enough. You, you want to ruin your, ruin your life? Get out of his get. When I say get out of his way, I mean get out of his ways leaning on your own understanding. He means what he says when he says marriage, sex is for marriage. He means what he says when he says don't commit adultery. And because I don't want God's hand on me, I don't want his hand of discipline on me, I try to walk in his ways because I have a healthy fear of him because he means what he says and he loves me enough to show me how much of a mess I've made of my life if I get out of his way, out of his ways. Do you remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Potiphar's wife came on to Joseph, right? Uh, and uh, Joseph was head of all, Potiphar was an official in Egypt and Joseph was was in charge of all of Potiphar's house, but one, one day Potiphar's eyes had eyes for Joseph, okay? And in 39, Joseph says to Potiphar's wife, no one is greater in this house than I am, meaning that Potiphar has given me control of this whole house, Joseph says. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So you'd expect what's to follow that says, how could I create this great sin against Potiphar? That's what you would expect to follow. But he says to Potiphar's wife who was coming on to him, 
He said, how could I create this great sin against God? An appropriate fear of God keeps you walking in his ways. By faith, Noah, in holy fear, built an ark. Built an ark. Can I tell you that an appropriate fear of God is a godly thing? It's something that's spawned by biblical faith. God means business. God means business. And because I know he means business, I take his word very seriously. Now we go back to our anchor verse, which is Hebrews eleven seven again. It says, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. We are, we are righteous by our faith in Jesus Christ today. And, and Noah's a picture of that, that he had faith in God's word, even though he had no clue what rain was, no clue what a flood was. I guess no clue what an ark was. Friends, there's lots of, lots of passages of scriptures that bring us comfort and bring us peace and bring us joy. And those are good, solid, biblical passages that we all should cherish and revel in. But God also has warnings that are just as much a part of his scripture as John 3.16 is. And both are held together. And if you hold one without the other, you have a skewed view of God. If you hold on to his promises and neglect his warnings, you do not understand the biblical God. But let me tell you this. If you know nothing, about his, if you know nothing but his warnings and little about his grace and love, you do not know the biblical God. Both of those have to be held in balance. And so Noah, I don't know what Noah knew of God before the ark, and, but Noah knew enough about God to take this warning seriously. And do we know enough about God to not just revel in those passages that talk about his love, his mercy, and grace, but also to take very seriously and hold those passages together? This next quote is from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, which was a great preacher in the 1800s. And no 2022 preacher could ever say this better than this guy in the 1800s did. Faith in God must treat all God's word alike. For the faith which accepts one word of God and rejects another is evidently not faith in God, but faith in our own judgment. If you want to take a picture of that and post it on Facebook, it'd be something really good to do. Faith in God must treat all of God's word alike. Because if I accept one word and I don't accept another word, the faith is in my own judgment, which means the faith is in me, my brain. That makes me sovereign over what God says because I get to pick and choose. 
by faith, Noah, in holy fear, built an ark because he heeded the warning of God. And what is God trying to teach us through Noah today? That this fear is a real thing. And it makes us take the promises of God right hand in hand with those passages that make us a little uncomfortable. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 11, Paul said, listen, consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Think about it. Consider it that God is kind, but God is stern. If I only serve a kind God, I don't have the full God. If I only serve a stern God, I don't have the full God. The full picture of God is that he's mercy and justice. The full picture of God is that he's love and wrath. The full picture of God is that he's grace and truth. And too many of us are building a God in our own image because we only want to accept one part of God and not the other part of God. And we're breaking one of the Ten Commandments that says do not create God in your own image. And we're imagining a God. We're imagining a God that is this way, but it has nothing to do with the way God has chosen to reveal himself. And we learned that from Noah. We learned that from Noah. As parents, how can you be a good parent without the goodness and severity of parenthood? Now, severity seems like a really hard word. I understand that. But sometimes your kids think you're pretty severe, don't they? (laughs) And you know what you're doing? You're loving them. You're loving them. I was a basketball coach, and I'd run my kids till they puke at the end of practice. Why did I do that? Because I'm some sadistic basketball coach who just wants to watch them puke? Or did I know that come the fourth quarter, I knew that they wanted to have something left? And so you could argue that I was running them to death. I was being good to them because it was going to prompt good for them. That's a weird example. Paul says, consider the goodness and the sternness of God. You hear people all the time, you hear people all the time talk about a God they've invented. Doesn't match up at all with a God that's in Scripture. Oh, oh, it'll match up a little bit because they'll pull this verse and they'll pull this verse and they'll pull this verse and they'll sound real spiritual but they haven't got the totality of him as he's revealed himself in all 66 books. They'll just like choose this one little thing that still allows me to live with my boyfriend because God's just a loving God, you know. But the only God is the one that he's revealed to us in all 66 verses. And what a horrible sin I make when I create God in my own image. 
when I invent God. I, I posted on Facebook. I know y'all a long time ago have stopped reading my Facebook posts, but I, I posted, and you're not going to get it because you're not country music fans. There's a few of you in here who know who David Allen Cole is. And David Allen Cole said he wrote the greatest country and western song. And I said, with respects to David Allen Cole, I, think, I thought this other song was the greatest country and western song because in one song it talked about drinking, it talked about going to bars, it talked uh, about a go, uh, of, uh, having sex with your girlfriend, but it talked about God in heaven, all in the same song. And that's contemporary Christianity and inventing a God of your own choosing. Last night, <laughs> Appalachian State beat, who did they beat last night? Texas A&M. Big upset. Coach was all happy after the game. He says, oh, God has blessed us. Now let's go have a hell of a time tonight. <laughs> that's weird to me, man. I mean, that's just weird. I wasn't raised that way. I hope you weren't. I finished with this verse. I read this verse at all funerals. Before I get ready to um, read a bunch of comforting scriptures to the family of the deceased who's died, I read, first of all, before I read those comforting scriptures, like the Lord is my shepherd and, and the, the, the thousands of verses like that, I read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that says, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture. All scripture. And I read that because I want them to know that this is not, if, if this is not God-breathed words that I'm getting ready to read, it's no better than some poetry that somebody wrote. That's, who cares? But this is words from the breath of God for comfort for you and your family. A lot of our translations say all scripture is inspired by God, and that's fine, but the most literal definition is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So, even though it's right, it doesn't say anything about all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for making you feel all goosebumpy. Even though that's okay, that's a part of it. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for making you feel loved. That's certainly a part of, of truth, but that's not what it says. It's, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Because, you know, I know enough about myself at 63 that I need to be rebuked. I need to be taught. I need to be corrected. And I need to be trained in righteousness. And anyone who has a biblical faith understands that. All scripture. So we finish where we started with the Romans eleven seven, <laughs> And it says, by faith, Noah. When warned about something that he had never seen. In holy fear. Built. in holy fear built when you act in faith and I, I, I'll leave this and, and this, this just popped in my head and I'm going to trust it's from God and that's dangerous sometimes but 
Bible says people rebuked Noah as he was building the ark. Can you imagine? They'd never seen rain. Can you imagine what the neighbors said? How long did the Bible say it took him to build it? I can't remember. 100 years to build it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the ridicule he got? Faith, people who act on faith will be ridiculed from time to time. And if you can't take that, then Christianity is not for you. Living by biblical faith is not for you. If you've got to, if you've got to join in with the crowd and go with the crowd, you've got to have a backbone to be a Christian, friends. Because you've got to say no to the crowd and they'll make fun of you for it, as no doubt. Can you imagine? He spent 100 years. Well, it's been 50 years now. We haven't seen any rain. It's been 75 years yet. It's been 99 years yet, Noah. Can you imagine? Faith-filled people, as they act on faith, may be ridiculed. Your identity has to be in Christ and not in what these other people think of you. And the biggest problem, the biggest problem that human beings have, I started to say young people have, that human beings have is we find our identity in someone else instead of finding our identity in Christ. It's a huge, huge problem. And when my identity is in someone else, I'll, I'll, I'll will please them, and I'll do all kinds of weird things to please them. But when my identity is in Christ, I'll do all kinds of weird things to please him. And I won't have to go along with the crowd as Noah didn't go along with the crowd. <laughs> you know, the goodness and severity of God is pictured in the cross. The goodness of God is in, is in the horizontal dimension of the cross because his arms are spread wide and they're wide enough to welcome anyone who comes to him in repentance and faith. But there's a vertical dimension to the cross as well that meant that because of God's holiness and because of his judgment on sin, sin must be paid for. And every Sunday when you come here, you're reminded that, listen, this is, this is gross to say this, God killed his son because of sin now how sinful must sin be but so you and i could enjoy a heaven one day god sacrificed his son behold the goodness and the severity of god our servers are coming to the table father You are to be respected. You are to be feared. You will do what you say you will do. You cannot lie. You're holy. You're distinct. You're not like us. And may we have infinite respect and reverence for you. That makes us rejoice in your promises and tremble at your warnings. 
Father, I pray that this message, which is a tough one, will take root in the hearts of people who need it the most. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.